Hello friends, Tom here. I want to welcome you from wherever you are tuning in. Uh, we are going to start a new series this morning. I'm really excited about it. Uh, recently with all of the things that we have been facing with COVID-19, um, so much civil unrest with um, racism and injustice and all sorts of things, we had a lot of questions um, where people in the church and even just people kind of um, not, not within our church family, but even just kind of closely associated to our community, but asking these questions of like, hey, are we in the end times? Things seem to be escalating pretty quickly. And so we thought, you know what, now is the perfect time for us to explore as a church family what the Bible says about the end times. So today we're starting this series that we're titling The End, and we're talking about what the Bible says about the last days. Now, the fancy theological term for this is what's known as eschatology, <clears throat> okay? And what it, what it means literally is the study of the last things. Now, sadly, uh, if you have spent any time in the church, you know that this has become a divisive topic among Christians. Now, what they don't disagree about is Christians don't disagree about the if of the end times, like whether or not the end times will take place, whether or not Jesus Christ is coming back to the earth. All Christians, regardless of their view on the end times, believe that that is true, okay? So the disagreement is not about the if, the disagreement is about the when. It's about the timeline of when certain events take place. But what all Christians agree on, what's most important, is that the Bible clearly teaches there will be an end to the current age that we are living in now. So, <clears throat> that being said, we as Christians, we can hold different positions, and we can even lovingly disagree on the when, but we never, and I mean never, we never want to compromise our discipleship to Jesus by dishonoring other brothers and sisters in Christ who hold a different opinion on the when, okay? So, as you're going to see throughout this series, there are several different biblical views. They're faithful to the scriptures. Biblical views, and each of those views have their own strengths, have their own weaknesses. So, I encourage you to tune in over the course of the next few weeks. I really believe um, that this series is going to be a blessing to all of us. So, for today, week one, message one, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of approach this subject from 30,000 feet. Okay, and I'm going to do that in order to set up the framework for this series. So the goal, <clears throat> the goal for today is going to be to answer two questions. Okay, the first question is this, what are the end times? And the second question is, why does it matter? So that being said, before we jump into the scriptures, I, I think it's going to be important. I want to touch base on at least nine things that we refer to when we use this word eschatology. Again, the study of the last things, okay? So if eschatology was a meal, these nine things would be the ingredients to that meal. Again, eschatology, the study of the last things. What are these things? Those are the ingredients, okay? The first one is this. The first one is death. First ingredient, the first thing in eschatology is death. Because of the presence of sin in our world, we all know this, death awaits everyone. Okay, no one is off limits. The second thing is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay, this is, this is something that the church longs for and desires. 
Scripture teaches that Jesus will return to the earth in a personal bodily form, okay? Not in just a mystic maybe experience. No, he's coming back in person, uh, in his body, coming back physically to the earth. Okay, the third thing is the resurrection. Now, when we talk about resurrection, we're not here in this case, we're not talking about Jesus' resurrection, okay? We're talking about every person who has died, both Christians and non-Christians, that these people will experience a bodily resurrection, okay? So in other words, all people will come back to life. Now, if, if you're hearing me say this, and you're like, this is new to me, this does not sound like Christianity, this is a clear teaching in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, check it out. Revelation chapter 20 talks about this, this resurrection of people, okay? The fourth thing, the fourth ingredient in the meal that is eschatology is this idea of the intermediate state. Now, this refers to the, the temporary condition of a person between the time of their death and that resurrection that we just talked about. What happens in between there? That's what's known as the intermediate state. The fifth ingredient in eschatology is what's known as the judgment. The judgment, this is where each person stands before God Almighty, where God, he, he will determine the spiritual condition of all who have lived, every person, based what? Based on their relationship to him. God is judge. We stand before him. That's the judgment. The sixth thing, the sixth ingredient, is the final state. So basically, this is, this is heaven or hell, okay? And this is determined by God the judge. This is determined by the decisions made by each person within their life. All right? Pretty self-explanatory. The seventh, the seventh ingredient was, is what's known as the millennium. Now, millennium, what it means is it means a thousand years. In Revelation chapter 20, it mentions that martyrs, and what martyrs are, they're people who die for their faith. Okay, so Revelation 20 mentions that martyrs uh, reigning with Jesus for a thousand years prior to the judgment that we talked about. Okay, now you need to know, there are some Christians who believe in a literal thousand years, and others who believe that that thousand years is, is, is metaphorical or, or symbolic. Okay, we'll talk more about that next week. Now, the eighth ingredient is what's known as the Great Tribulation. And this refers to a period of intense suffering that comes upon the earth. Okay? Again, disagreement here. Some Christians believe that this is a seven-year period that corresponds to a prophecy that's found in Daniel chapter 9. Again, we'll get more into that later. Uh, and the ninth and final ingredient that I just want to make sure that you are aware of when we talk about the meal that is eschatology is what's known as the rapture, okay? And the rapture, simply put, it refers to God taking the church out of the world instantaneously, okay? These are the ingredients of the meal that is eschatology, okay? The study of the last things. So when someone asks you now, Hey, like, what, what are the end times? What is the Bible, what is the biblical perspective on the end times? Now you know what the ingredients are, okay? So let's jump into the scriptures. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, but before we jump in, I just want to take a moment and pray. Pray for me, pray for you. So wherever you're tuning in, wherever you're watching, I'm going to ask you to join me, okay? Let's pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, I just want to welcome you and invite you into this moment to people that are tuning in. 
to myself and ask you to guide our time. Um, this idea of, of examining your word in regards to um, the implications for the last days, the, the last things, the, the end times, it can be complex and challenging and hard and difficult. And the first thing I just want to ask, guys, that you would like guard us from division, that we, you would really like develop a humility in us as we approach your word in all of this. And I also just ask you, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Would you empower me to love and serve my brothers and my sisters, the precious people um, on the other end of this video? Um, our, our, our desire, all of us, our desire is to honor you, Jesus, to celebrate you. We want to learn more about you and what that means for us. So would you help us? I love you, Jesus. Uh, be with us now, please. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 24 today. Uh, this is, we're going to go through a hefty amount of scripture, so kind of buckle up here. Um, what we're going to go through is a portion of what's known as the Olivet Discourse. And this takes place uh, during the last week of Jesus' life. Okay, so Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 1, here we go. It says this, As Jesus left and was going out of the temple, his disciples came up and called his attention to its buildings. He replied to them, Do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. He's, he's describing the destruction of this, of this temple that's made of stone. Verse 3, While he's sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Okay, so pause for just a second. His disciples, they ask two questions here, okay? The first question is, when will the temple be destroyed? Okay? The second question is, what is the sign of your second coming? Two questions, okay? And then what happens is Jesus here, he prophesies about the temple being destroyed. Okay, the stones are just being completely destroyed. Okay? Now, in the year 70 AD, uh, right around 40 years or so, after Jesus prophesies that this, has happened, this will happen, it actually does happen. The temple is destroyed by the Roman army under the emperor Titus. We know this is, this is history, this is fact. And it's funny because um, last year, Ebony and I, we took a trip to Israel and we actually saw what's left of the temple area. And it's literally just portions of the foundation. And guys, these stones that Jesus was referring to here, they're massive. They're huge. And everything else, there's nothing left of it. The temple, totally destroyed, okay? So again, remember, the disciples asked two very different questions. When will the temple be destroyed? And what is the sign of your second coming? Okay, let's keep going. Verse 4, Matthew chapter 24, verse 4. Jesus replied to them. The rest of what we're going to read now is all the words of Jesus, okay? Jesus replied to them. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. Okay, now, what we're about to read it, Jesus is about to predict that these disciples are going to be persecuted, okay? Verse 9, 
Then they will hand you over to be persecuted, and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawless will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And now Jesus is going to describe what we talked about, the great tribulation. He's going to describe it starting here in verse 15. He says this, So, when you see the abomination of desolation, okay, we're going to cover a little bit more of this throughout the series. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. A man on the housetop must not come down to get things out of his house. And a man in the field must not go back to get his coat. Woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. Pray that your escape may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For at that time there will be great distress the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. Unless those days were cut short, no one would be saved. But those days will be cut short because of the elect. The elect is just Christians, okay? Really quickly, where it says that <clears throat> um, unless those days were cut short, no one would be saved. When it says, talk about being saved there, it's not referencing like eternal salvation, right? So when Christians say like, oh, God saved me, I'm saved. That's not really what it's talking about. It's not referencing eternal salvation. What Jesus is doing here is he's describing this intense persecution against Christians. And what he's basically saying is that that persecution, it will not result in every Christian being killed. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 23. Again, the words of Jesus. If anyone tells you then, see, here is the Messiah, or over here, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect, even the Christians. Verse 25, take note, I have told you in advance. So if they tell you, see, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. See, he's in the storerooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the carcass is, the vultures will gather. Okay, really quick. This is where there's debate among Christians. Okay, healthy, productive debate among Christians. Did this intense persecution and suffering, the tribulation, did this intense persecution and suffering, did it already take place during the period surrounding the destruction of the temple in 70 AD? Or is Jesus telling his disciples about something that a future generation will endure, okay? That's the debate, the not, not the if, the when, the timeline, okay? And now remember, this is what's known as the Great Tribulation. Really quickly, there are three kind of viewpoints when it comes to this idea of the Great Tribulation, okay? Pre, mid, <coughs> and post, okay? Pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post. And basically what this is, pre-tribulation, you can probably guess what it is, Jesus' return will be before, prior to the tribulation getting going, okay? Those who believe that, 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 that Jesus is coming in the middle of the tribulation, they're mid-trib, right? And then post-tribulation, Jesus comes after the tribulation. 
Now, this is one of the more highly debated elements of eschatology. And listen, you need to know there are brilliant biblical scholars who have devoted their whole life to interpreting this faithfully. Uh, men and women who love Jesus and want to follow him with every area of their life that hold very different perspectives on this. Okay? Interpreting end times passages is super complex and it's really challenging. Okay? So, it's, it's a wise move for us as Christians to hold whatever view you have with humility. Okay? Let's keep reading. Uh, starting here in verse 29, Jesus is about to address his second coming. Okay? Starting back in verse 29 in chapter 24. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of, he of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all peoples of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, elect as Christians, from one end of the sky to the other. Verse 32, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, recognize that he, Jesus, is near at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And now Jesus is about to address the timeline here. Verse 36. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Listen to this. Neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, that's Jesus, except the Father alone. Okay, so he's saying angels don't know when, Jesus doesn't know when, only the Father. Okay, verse 37. As the days of Noah were, so the, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding grain with a handmill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if a homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you are also to be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Okay, I know that's a lot of scripture. Hopefully you're still with me. I want to remind you, the debate and the disagreement amongst the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not a debate on if. It's not a debate on whether there, is, like if there's an end times, if Jesus is returning. It's all about when. The debate is about when, it's about the timeline. Jesus is super clear, okay? He is coming again, and no one knows when except God the Father. Listen, here's why this is so important. Jesus could return at any moment. 
in verse 27, he uses the imagery of lightning. Did you catch that? And here's the thing about lightning. Lightning happens in an instant. In verse 42, he says, be alert. In verse 44, he says, be ready. It's this idea of being prepared. On March 12th, uh, my eldest daughter, Amelia, came home from school and she wasn't feeling good. Um, many of you guys know this story, but so she comes home from school and she has a fever and she's feeling achy. And the next thing you know, she's, she's explaining how her chest is hurting and she's having a lot of trouble breathing. Long story short, my daughter comes home from school about two days before the pandemic kind of hits Southern California with the exact symptoms of COVID-19. Okay, so we put my daughter in her room and we are deep cleaning the house and we are trying to care for her responsibly um, without trying to transmit it to the rest of the family. And it was, I mean, it was crazy. A couple days later, they closed down schools. Uh, the next thing you know, most of, of the country is now quarantined and, and, and in lockdown and businesses are closed. And like I said, schools are closed. Um, there's like this black market that's emerging for hand sanitizer and toilet paper. Uh, you guys remember that the, the aisles in the grocery stores are kind of empty. It was just this like, whoa, what just happened? Things escalated super quickly. It seemed to happen in like an instant. And my family and I, we were not prepared for the arrival of COVID, man. It came at an unexpected hour. You see, when something is unexpected, it's hard to be prepared for it. But friends, Jesus clearly tells us he's coming again. And he says, be prepared, be ready. And like, and like I said, my family and I, we were not prepared for COVID. Like we didn't have what we needed. Our pantries it was, it was slim, man. It was like we, were, we, we, were, we, were, we did not have what we needed, but something beautiful happened. Something really beautiful happened. Groceries that we desperately needed delivered to our front porch. Meals prepared for us, dropped off at our house. When my daughter's in, you know, quarantined in her room by herself, the rest of us are quarantined throughout the house. Our fridge is running out of food, our pantry's running out of food, groceries delivered, meals delivered, and the needs that we had were met by the church. The church, many of you probably watching this, you guys provided for us what we could not provide for ourselves in our time of need. And all of a sudden, we had what we needed. And it was this beautiful living picture of Jesus the one who provided what none of us could provide for ourselves, forgiveness from our sin through his death and a perfect record of righteousness through his life in our place. In all of it, his perfect life in our place, his substitutionary death in our place, um, offering us a perfect record that we could not provide for ourselves, all of it offered to us freely. And all we have to do is receive it. 
Friends, Jesus is coming again, and he's coming to destroy evil once and for all. And the only way to destroy evil without destroying sinful people like me and like you is to provide a righteousness, a goodness for them that they cannot provide for themselves. Jesus says, be alert, be prepared. Listen to me. Being prepared, it's not about predicting the timeline. It's not about trying to figure out the when all the events are going to take place. It's about having what you need when things go down. It's about having what you need when it happens. And it's about living each day of your life as though it could happen at any moment. Like lightning. So... Are you prepared? Do, do you have what you need? Because Jesus is returning, and it's something that every Christian can agree on. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I'm asking you now to help us as people. Help us view our lives in light of not just what we're experiencing right now, but in light of the eternal story that we find ourselves in. A story of you creating, redeeming, and then renewing all things. And God, I think about the church that has experienced suffering throughout the generations. I think about all the brokenness that all, each of us as people, even modern day, that we've experienced, that we've seen, things are not the way they're supposed to be. But I love, Jesus, I love that you're coming back. I love that you're coming back to make things right, to make things new. So Lord, would you help us be people who, lives, who live lives with that at the forefront of our mind, that you are coming again. You are coming again. So would you prepare us? Would you, would, you, would you lead us to be people who seek to enjoy the free gift of grace that's available to us in Jesus? That the, the perfect righteousness, the perfect goodness that we need is available to us because of your life, Jesus, in our place, your death in our place, and that you freely offer that to us. So would you shape us and mold us, Holy Spirit, more into the image of Jesus as we anticipate his return. I love you dearly. Bless us, Holy Spirit. We need you. Amen. <clears throat> Friends, next week we are going to go into more detail about the different biblical perspectives, the different views regarding end times, and we're going to answer the question, are we living in the end times today? So, Encourage you to stay tuned. We'll see you next week. Grace and peace to you. Love you guys dearly. God bless you.